Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right, it's time for Big Sports Guest. Now, I've got a little bit of a of a tee-up here. Um, 1080 The Fan, as you well know, uh, Big Souk has a rich history. Yes. And it's the longest continually running all-sports station on the West Coast. We flipped to sports 33 years ago, so way back in 1990. And since, many big names... And and great shows have come through here. And those of you that are true P1s... One of the very first. ...will surely remember this name. Uh, one of the true characters in Portland Radio, his yeah. name was Stephen Dream Weaver. And no one called him Stephen. He was Dream Weaver. Dream Weaver. And he loved being Dream Weaver. And it was... Yeah, it, he was such yeah. a treat. And he passed away last week. And he hosted a show on The Fan from 1991 to 1993... Um, he was a one-of-a-kind personality, yep. a next-level storyteller. Uh, baseball was his passion. He once had the likes of uh, Mickey Mantle and Stan Musial and uh, Bowie Kuhn on these airwaves. So real quick story. When I moved to Portland from Kansas, the year was 2000, and I was a bartender, so I would get off late. And I started really getting quite interested in the talk format, and I listened to everyone that was on. But being up late, one show that stood out was his show. He was on KPAM at the time. I don't know if you remember that. He moved on to KPAM, and he had a show called The Dreamweaver Train, and I thought he was so unique and so interesting, so much so that I assumed that it was a national show. Lo and behold, no. I'm having a drink at the Kingston one <laughs> night on Burnside, and I run into Dreamweaver. Yeah. And I strike up a conversation, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I had no idea you were a local. You, your show is so good. I thought it was a, a syndicated national show. Well, we became friends. He ended up being a, a mentor for me. And another one of his friends, who I don't even need to introduce because you will all recognize his iconic voice. And I think he is the perfect person to encapsulate Dream and his legacy. joins us for a few minutes now. Uh Mr. Guest, can you hear us? Yes, I can, Isaac. Uh, and Steve and I go back, I think, to 1976 in St. Louis. Uh, he was the PR guy for the St. Louis Stars of uh, what was the soccer league then? My soccer knowledge is not as good as it should be, but uh, that was when they were doing an outdoor soccer league, which was a big thing at that time. And Beckenbauer came over and Pele was playing in the league for the New York Cosmos. Uh, and I was on the air on KMOX radio in St. Louis and Steve and I had crossed paths and he invited me to a party in the backyard of whomever it was that owned the St. Louis stars soccer team long since defunct. And who is at this party drinking a seven up, not a, an adult beverage as Steve always referred to anything that had any alcohol content, but Pele. <laughs> and I still have a picture of me, age 24, 
with Pele from the summer of 1976. So that's how far back my friendship with Steve Weaver goes. And in your introduction, everything you said was true times 10. He was a terrific character in the best sense of the word character. Sometimes now we call someone who's out of their mind a character, someone who does ridiculous, regrettable things a character. No, Steve was a character in the best sense. He was enjoyable company. He wasn't a cookie-cutter person. He had a distinctive personality. He was, as you said, a great storyteller, yes, but there's a distinction here. He was also one of the best joke tellers Mm -hmm. I've ever known. You know, almost everybody with a sense of humor will laugh at a great joke, but not everybody can tell a joke. Mm -hmm. Not only could he tell a joke, but after he first heard it, he could reconfigure it slightly and make it better. He'd make the setup better. You know, a syllable should be removed here. A different word should go there. An illusion should be over here so that the punchline landed even better. I got whatever my joke repertoire is, and as the years go by, you can't remember them all, but let's say I've got 100 jokes somewhere in my mental file. I'll bet you half of them I heard first from Steve Weaver. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> and by the way, just just in case... No one recognizes this voice. I'm sure they all do. It's this is the great Bob Costas. So, do you have a uh, a Dream Weaver joke holstered? Now I know I'm putting you on the spot because I can never remember any of the ones he yeah. he told. But do you have one that First you could share? First of all, all all the best jokes are not to be yeah. told <laughs> on the radio, fair, even, fair. even in 2023. <laughs> so, if I meet you at at some point and we're downing a beer. I will tell you several of them because I remember several of them, but I'll, I'll tell you how clever he was. Just one example of many. When the NBA was on NBC in the nineties, the trailblazers were a very good team. And in fact, they met the bulls in the 1992 NBA finals. So whenever I was in Portland, I would get together with Steve. And then after the trailblazers left, uh, if I had a football game in Seattle or a baseball game in Seattle, he would drive to Seattle and we would have dinner. And so we stayed in touch that way. And of course, we stayed connected through phone calls and texts over the years. So it's 1992 and the games in Portland started, I think, at six o'clock Pacific time so that they could be on in prime time on the East Coast, meaning that when the game was over, it wasn't all that late. You could go to dinner. So one of the games between the Bulls and Trailblazers is over with, and the whole town is blazer mania, as you know. And so now we head out and we go to a restaurant, which Steve had suggested because he's the local. And the place is packed, and they're searching for a bit, and the hostess looks up and says, do you have reservations? And he says, yes, but we'll eat here anyway. (laughs) Classic. One of my favorite things about about Dream was, especially, and I feel like in the early days of sports talk, you could get away with this more. Like today, and I'm not taking shots on anyone, but there's a lot of hot take guys, right? That oh, of course, it's it's just it, and it's all manufactured, and it's just it's it's shock value, and I'm gonna yell and scream, and I'm gonna say something ridiculous. Whereas Dream was that that it was just him. He just was a yes. big personality. He wasn't doing a shtick. He wasn't putting on a bit. He wasn't trying to, to right. offend anyone. It just and I, I feel like those to me growing up listening to some of that, that to me was kind of the heyday of radio when you didn't have to 
you didn't have to make stuff up. You could just have a guy like that. Yeah. Um, now it isn't just heat over light. In too many instances, it's heat only. Mm-hmm. And light not only isn't appreciated, they're hostile toward it because that gets in the way. We don't want any nuance. We don't want texture. We just want something that can be measured in decibel levels or as a hot take. And Steve had his opinions. I have my opinions. But you hope that they're thoughtful opinions. You hope that you can explain them in a thoughtful way. And if it's all hot takes, then then what is it? I mean, this idea, I I know some people will interpret this as get off my lawn, (laughs) but no reasonably intelligent adult is in a state of high dudgeon over a dozen topics, especially sports topics, a day. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, nobody. If they didn't have a radio show and you encountered them on a street corner and they're in a lather over a dozen topics a day, <laughs> including who the Seahawks will draft in the third round because they're weak at linebacker, you'd think this guy was in need of therapy. <laughs> Very true. And, <clears throat> you know, the other thing, too, is uh, uh, back to Dream is, he nobody was as well read. I, I that guy went so deep into his research, yeah. it was really yeah. astonishing. So you you meet him. So you're in St. Louis. You're on Camo X. He's the uh-huh. marketing guy for the St. Louis uh, Stars. Stars. He yeah. invites you to a party, introduces you to Pele, which <laughs> yep. is great in and of itself. But yep. I know that the bond, most people's bond with him, um, was baseball. Where yeah. does baseball come in 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 your relationship at that point? Well, here's an interesting thing, because St. Louis is a great, great baseball town. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Cardinals have a rich and wonderful history. So I have an affinity for the Cardinals, even though I didn't grow up in St. Louis. I came there right out of college. But I grew up as a Yankee fan and as a Mickey Mantle fan, because every kid of my generation that grew up anywhere around New York was a Mickey Mantle fan. And if I knew anyone who was a bigger Mickey Mantle fan than me, it would have to be either Dreamweaver or Billy Crystal. And that's the entire list. So, pardon me, we bonded over that. But, you know, Steve had a sense of humor even about his emotional affinities. He knew that a lot of it was just a way that we hung on to a portion of our childhood. Didn't mean that we were stuck there. It just meant that we could go there and get a warm feeling or um, or something that, that was enjoyable to look back on and w- that was a common thread through our lives. That's the reasonable way to look at it. So when you connect with someone who has the same affinities, whether it's for music or movies or baseball or whatever it might be, that's often the basis for a friendship. And by the way, when I mentioned music, Many in your audience may not realize that Dreamweaver comes from a hit song called Dreamweaver by Gary Wright in 1975, right around the time that I met Steve. And so some of us just started calling him Dreamweaver. Hey, Dreamweaver, get over here. And it stuck. (laughs) And it kind of fit because the, the theme of the song is that this person is someone who can weave dreams. Well, Dreamweaver wove stories. He was a great storyteller. And he often referenced his love, Judy. Um, and we send our sympathies to her because she lost someone she loved dearly. And he often referred to her as the brown-eyed girl. And that's a Van Morrison mention. 
That's one of Van Morrison's greatest songs, Brown Eyed Girl. So anybody who's, you know, 25 years old listening to this, go ahead and Google Gary Wright, Dreamweaver, Google Van Morrison, Brown Eyed Girl, and you'll know a little bit more about Steve the Dreamweaver. That's so cool. I've known Steve for 20 years, and I, I never knew the inception of Dreamweaver. I just always knew him as Dreamweaver. In fact, I called mm-hmm. him nothing but Dream. When I'd see him out at a, a, a banquet or whatever, it was never Steve. I'd say, what's going on, Dream? <laughs> right. It was just like meeting Magic, yeah. you know, or Magic Johnson or one of the, you know, Doc Gooden or whatever. It just, it's, it's your name, and it fit right. him to a T. It did. And there was a little bit of a little bit of irony or a, a twinkle in his eye about it. Yeah. It wasn't it, it wasn't like he was trying to make himself out, out to be a big deal. It was it was sort of it was true enough to fit him, but it was also kind of an inside joke. Yeah, for sure. Now, this is uh, the great Bob Costas and we're remembering uh, the life of um Former fan radio host, uh, one of the greats, Portland radio legend, uh, Stephen Dreamweaver. Now, Dream, he was also a marketing genius. Now, I don't know where you were in your career at this time, but once he got to Portland, he mm-hmm. he he was well known. And our listeners, many of our listeners who don't know Dream, may know the these tales of the old Pokey Allen Portland State days. Yeah, the comet landed mm-hmm. in the backyard and Yeah, I mean they they would put childhood. They would put 15,000 fans in that stadium for Portland State football and they were a good team, but a lot of that was due to Dream. The the famous one was the the fans call the play uh bit which has been written up in Sports Illustrated and um mm-hmm. and it was, you know, he gave Dream, the marketing guy gave fans signs, run or pass and they <laughs> they actually picked a play during the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, you know, as far as marketing guys go, you know, I love the radio side of him and the storytelling side and the talk format side of him. He was so good at that. But my goodness, marketing people, he was one of the best out there. Yeah, you have to have a certain kind of personality. You got to sell an idea. Um, you know, he, it was just something that he was good at. Uh, the idea of fans calling the plays, he took from a terrific source. Bill Veck, the legendary owner of several baseball teams, uh, he owned the then Cleveland Indians when they last won the World Series in 1948. He also owned the very woeful St. Louis Browns before they left and became the Baltimore Orioles. And later he owned the Chicago White Sox. And he was famous for all kinds of stunts, especially when attendance was lagging. And some of them went well, and some of them didn't. Uh, There was one called Disco Demolition Night in Chicago at the old Comiskey Park. There was a local DJ whose name escapes me at the time, a rock and roll DJ, who was very upset about uh, the temporary popularity of disco music and he thought it was terrible and so the idea was bring your disco records this is back when people had records that can could fling them like a frisbee if you wanted to um bring the records to the game and between games of a doubleheader, we will blow them up uh in the outfield uh this probably wasn't a well-considered idea to begin with and it was shown not to be when the attempt the attempted explosion turned into a conflagration and center field was on fire. And then fans began to go nuts and they ran on the field and they're throwing stuff. And the White Sox had to forfeit the second game of the doubleheader. <laughs> this is, this is the kind of digression that Dreamweaver and I enjoy. I hope your audience <laughs> does as well, because now I got to get back to the main point. Bill Veck, when he was uh, the owner of the St. Louis Browns, Famously, and this became a joke that people repeated, but he said it first, 
he said, someone called the switchboard and said, what time is the game tonight? And we said, what time can you be here? Because that's how small our attendance was. So one of his many gags, you may recall, not firsthand, because it happened in 1951, uh, before even I was born, but you may have read about it. He sent someone who then was called something else, and now in politically correct parlance, we say a little person Mm. up to bat, Eddie Goodell, three foot seven, sent up to bat. And he had a legitimate contract, which he had gotten from the league office. And Eddie Goodell came up to bat and walked on four pitches because he had a strike zone that would make Ricky Henderson's look enormous. <laughs> so, so we walked, and, and it's still talked about in baseball lore. And then another thing that he did was he passed out placards, just like Steve Weaver did a few generations later. He passed out placards, and the fans could hold up a sign, sacrifice, hit and run, <laughs> remove the pitcher, whatever it was. So having spent a lot of time in St. Louis, Dream Weaver was aware of that, and he imported the idea to Portland. And it was a it was certainly a hit here. He did yeah. all kinds of things here. But I, I think he it was, was when Portland State he made Portland yeah. him and Pokey. Him and Pokey were a great when duo. When I was growing up, Portland State football was a big deal here largely because of, yeah. of of stuff like this. And Pokey often talked about how Dream made him uncomfortable with some of the things, <laughs> but Dream wanted to do it and, and it, it worked out. I think he told me once, and you may or may not know this, Bob, but I think that he read Bill Veck's book. Um, way back when, and then wrote him a letter, and yes. and said, "I'm going to come and," or he wanted to to you know just learn from him about marketing. And Vec invited him, and I think he's it gets hazy. I think he spent a week with Bill Vec just learning marketing tricks and tools, and that's where a lot of that came from, as you said. Yeah, I'm not going to vouch for specific aspects of that because i i don't remember exactly what it was but the general idea that he read Vec as in wreck bill Vec's memoir uh and found him interesting and inspiring and spent time with him there's no question that that's true yeah yeah and that's that that led him to a lot of his you know down the, yeah. the marketing path um right. if if he could visit you tomorrow what would your day look like with him we would talk a lot of baseball um, I don't like to reveal too much of things that are deeply personal, but toward the end when Steve was struggling, um, I have a backdrop for when I do things from a home studio for the major league baseball network. Uh, and I don't know if you've watched much MLBN, but, uh, they have studio 42 for Jackie Robinson, mm-hmm. studio three for Babe Ruth, studio 21 for Roberto Clemente. And I had always said to them, you need to have a breaking news studio in case something happens at three o'clock in the morning, trade deadline, something like that. And you got to call it studio 24 seven. So finally they made my home studio studio 24 seven with Willie Mays, number 24 on one side and Mickey Mantle, my favorite and his number seven on the other side. So in the last, in the last few years, um, on a couple of occasions, I made videos uh, from the home studio and sent them to Steve through Judy um, just with baseball reminiscences. Um, I think what we talk about, we love the old um, baseball World Series highlight films. These days, they're much more sophisticated. Then they're really entertaining in a corny way. 
uh, a guy named Lou Fonseca, who had played in the major leagues and actually won a couple of batting titles, uh, went on to become a filmmaker. And he made these films, but he also narrated them in the most wooden style you could ever imagine. So it'd be like the Milwaukee Braves against the Yankees in 1957. And I think I sent Dreamweaver uh, a few of these way back when. Uh, and Fonseca's narration would be, in the bottom of the fourth, Henry Aaron sends a tremendous drive toward the center field fence. Mickey Mantle goes back, but to no avail. It's in the seats, and Braves fans go wild as their favorites take a 4-2 to two lead. <laughs> and it was like, so we'd probably talk about that. There'd be some baseball stuff, and there'd be every joke I could remember and every joke he could remember. Yeah. Well, he spoke quite fondly of you, and somewhere right now he's smiling. So uh, to hear you here. So thank you for your time. This is this was greatly appreciated. I really appreciate you being able to do this. Isaac, thanks for having me on. Uh, for those who might not uh, remember Steve because they're too young to remember him being on the air, uh, maybe they'll check some of what we've talked about out. Uh, and for those who did, uh, recall his years in Portland, both in marketing and in radio. Uh, I hope this brings back some memories. He was, he was among, well, I'll tell you how I felt about him. He was one of, he was one of the groomsmen at my wedding mm -hmm. in St. Louis way back when, uh, he was one of my closest friends. Uh, he was an unforgettable person with a huge heart. Um, and, and with a bigger than life personality. Truly unforgettable. No question. Bob Costas, thank you so much. Thank you, Isaac. We'll talk to you again. That is uh, Bob Costas, uh, dear friend of, uh, of our friend. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, former fan host, uh, Dreamweaver. He was a legend. Yeah, he was uh, just the definition of a personality, and that was really cool to to have Bob Costas come on there and give a fitting tribute yeah. to, uh, He's to great. Bob Costas is just a treasure. He is the definition of class. Could you imagine sitting down listening to those two? Cause you knew dream. Oh, yeah. Listen to the, I could just sit and watch them talk. If you ever got to go to a banquet, <laughs> and that's usually where I ran into dream was yeah. some sort of banquet. And if you ever had a chance and a lot of times you didn't have a choice cause he'd grab you by oh, the yeah. arm oh, yeah. and pull you in. You're and, hearing those and, stories. And you're going to hear it. But <laughs> boy, I'll tell you what, you won't find a, a you wouldn't find a better storyteller that, that I've ever encountered. And that Brilliant. Was, that was neat to be able to hear a, a true friend of his um, kind of recap. One that. of a kind. Yep. Rest in peace, friend. We'll be back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.